Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Now we ask you, Lord, as we turn our hearts to you, that you would open our hearts as we open your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Genesis chapter 41, Genesis chapter 41, verse 53, Genesis 41, 53 where we read, and the seven years of plenteousness that was in the land of Egypt were ended, and the seven years of dearth began to come, according as Joseph had said, and the dearth was in all lands, but in the land of Egypt there was bread. And when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, go unto Joseph, for what he saith to you, do. Okay, now this is a, an astounding passage here. It's, it's so surprising to read these words. The Egyptian Pharaoh saying to the Egyptian people, go to a Hebrew, go to Joseph and do what he says. And in our last study, we saw how Egypt really had enjoyed these seven years of plenty. It was very enjoyable for them. It was a great time in Egypt. You know, all the harvest was so abundant. You can just imagine them gathering up and really living it up. And they had really, they were living it up during that, that time. And, and maybe, Maybe that was all they heard about what Joseph had told them, that there was going to be these great times ahead. Maybe all the Egyptians looked at Joseph like he was Joel Osteen (laughs) and says, prosperity's ahead, good, happy times are coming. But that was not all of Joseph's message. And in verse 54, the famine came just as Joseph had said, and the seven years of dearth began to come according as Joseph had said, and the dearth was in all the lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. So we saw this little note in verse 54, according as Joseph had said. In other words, they said, that little note, according to Joseph said, it spoke so much because it conveyed the truth that Joseph's message to the Egyptian people was is the same as what the Lord Jesus Christ said, when he said, I must work the works of him that sent me in John 9, 4. John 9, 4. I must work the works of him that sent me while it's day. The night cometh when no man can work. So for both Joseph and the Lord Jesus Christ, the good times were understood to be the good times before the storm came. It was the call before the storm. So for both Joseph and the Lord Jesus Christ, there was this must that just overshadowed their lives. This must, they both saw the calm as the time when they must work. And so while all of Egypt was kicking back and really enjoying these years of plenty, Joseph was working hard, realizing that the night was coming when no man could work in gathering up food for the famine. 
And the same was true of the Lord Jesus Christ is that when you step back and you look at the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's one word that really describes his life. It's the word work. He was working. I mean, he was working all during his life, even during the time when he had decided to get away with his disciples for really a much needed rest. And the people found out that where he was and he was trying to slip away with them to be in a quiet place in the desert for a little little retreat and restoration, refreshment. But when the people found out, he didn't stop working, but he worked through his much needed vacation. You know, as it says in Mark 6.31, Mark 6.31, it gives this whole amazing history here when it says, he said unto them, to his disciples, come ye, come ye yourselves apart unto a desert place and rest a while for they were many coming and going and they had no leisure so much as to eat. They were working so hard they didn't even take a break for a bite. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing and many knew him and ran afoot thither out of all the cities and out went them and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were a sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country roundabout into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He answered and said to them, give you them to eat, for they say unto him, shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat? What's so significant about this passage here, this little history here, is how tired he was and how tired his disciples were when he told them that they were going to get away for a rest when he said in, in Mark 6.31, come ye sirs apart into a desert place and rest a while. You know, when they heard that, when those disciples heard that, you know what that was for them? That was a, oh boy, you know, moment. I mean, they were just overjoyed to be able to just relax alone with the Lord, which is what I'm going to do in this coming week. But anyway, when the great multitude found out where he was going, they, were, they followed him. As it says in verse 33, Mark 6.33, Mark 6.33, the people saw him departing and many knew him and outran him on the foot and came together to him. And I can just imagine the disciples thinking all along till finally they just came out and said, oh no. They started with, oh boy, and then they went to, oh no. You know, in Mark 6.36, Mark 6.36, when they said, send them away, send them away, but not the Lord. Because when he saw the multitude on his vacation, on their vacation, he went out. He went out to them. And it says in Mark 6.34, 6.34, Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, was moved with compassion toward them because they were a shepherd, as sheep not having a shepherd. He began to teach them many things. That was all because there was a great I must work that overshadowed everything that the Lord did. And the disciples were very disappointed. You know, I mean, I, I read this, and I think back. I can't help but think back of when I was a little boy. I mean, there was a time like that, but anyway. And when I was about somewhere, you know, it was between six to ten years old. And I looked forward to weekends so much that I'd be able to spend with my dad. Because my dad, you know, I wanted him so much. A couple times he did. You know, he took me to the park. 
and he threw the baseball with me. And that was so, I really look forward to that the whole week. But I don't really remember many times when he actually did that. But what I do remember was the many times that he had promised to take me to the park and throw the ball. And then the phone would ring. Friday, Saturday morning, Saturday morning. And, it, and I almost wanted to cut the phone line. <laughs> it was Van Nuys Hospital. It was Cedars Eleven Hospital. It was Mount Sinai Hospital calling because some woman went into labor. See, my dad was an obstetrician. And let me tell you, it's really hard to be the son of an obstetrician. And I remember spending so many Saturdays watching TV in the doctor's lounge instead of out in the park throwing the ball with my dad. And then my dad coming in, you know, with blood all over his scrubs and saying, you know, it was a boy, it was a girl. I didn't care, you know. But anyway, all I could think of, well, great, it was a boy or it was a girl, but, but it was not throwing the ball in the park. And so when that happened, and I was so disappointed, deep down, I really admired my dad because I knew dad brings babies into the world. And I was proud of my dad for doing that. And I remember how then he would take me over to the window of the nursery, you know, the little window of the nursery there, the newborns, and, and he'd lift me up, you know, or somebody would lift me up. I don't remember how I got up there anyway. And I'd see the baby he just brought into the world. And that made me admire him. And I thought, I want to be a doctor when I grow up, only not an obstetrician. <laughs> and it was just so great to see the new baby that my dad had delivered. But it didn't take away the disappointments And the sadness of, well, there goes another Saturday spent in the doctor's lounge instead of out there in the park throwing the baseball. Because I so much look forward to throwing the baseball with my dad in the park. And I know how much these disciples really look forward to going into this desert place alone with the Lord. So I can can feel how those disciples felt when their vacation was canceled because verse 34, Jesus saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were sheep not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. But just like I felt very disappointed, those disciples felt really disappointed, but just like with me, deep down, those disciples admired the Lord. They admired him because he gathered the scattered sheep. You know, they could say he is the one who gathered the scattered sheep and he taught them how they could become children of God and go to heaven. And the Lord Jesus did did that because there was an I must work that overshadowed all of his life on earth. And that was the same for Joseph. There was this I must work that overshadowed all the life of Joseph. And that made Joseph very different. He was very different from all the rest of the Egyptians because all the rest of the Egyptians, they were caught with no personal stocks in store when the famine came. That's another history coming up about what happened to them because of that. But anyway, but when it got revealed that none of the Egyptians had put away any personal stores of food during those years of plenty, that was pretty embarrassing for them. That was a pretty embarrassing time for those Egyptians because they became exposed for not acting on the warning that Joseph had given. And so when the famine came, those Egyptians were pretty ashamed for having let Joseph amuse them with the message, but for not taking the message to heart. And as we look at the embarrassment and the shame of those Egyptians, 
we feel this urgency in us to let our lives also be overshadowed with the same I must work mentality. I must work for the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. I must work to add more souls to his kingdom. I must work to build up and encourage those who are already in his kingdom. Because the last thing we want to have happen to us is to end up like those Egyptians, embarrassed and ashamed for not having taken to heart and acted on Joseph's message. And this is what we saw the last time, which was from the first part of verse 55, 55, when it says, when all the land of Egypt was famished. And now we come to the next part of this verse 55, where it says, when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried unto Pharaoh. That's interesting. I mean, when we see here how the people cried to Pharaoh when they were famished, it's a picture for us of the way it is for people around us today. You know, yesterday I was talking to a Tunisian man named Khaled, and, you know, we we were talking about, he came to fix my DVR, but anyway, and I told him that how God loved him, his uh, Muslim, and wanted to save him from his sins, and then he kept asking about, and, you know, we hit it off well because he was from Tunisia, and I told him how when I was going to high school, I had several Tunisian teachers in Switzerland, and they spoke French, and he spoke French, and we spoke French, and anyway, then we switched to English because neither of us were very good at it. Anyway, but when I was talking to him about how God loved him, he started talking about other people. Well, what about, you know, this group of people and that group of people? And finally, I told him, I tried to tell him, I says, you know, what you're doing is deflecting. You're deflecting now because you're not letting this message get through to your heart. And he told me, he says, well, you know, he's just too busy to think about these things because of his family, because of his work. And people we talk to, they will listen to us and they find us very interesting to see what we believe and even want to learn. But people today, they don't want to change their lives. They don't want to take the message to the heart. Why is that? Because of what we see in verse 55. It took the Egyptians to be famished. Then they cried to Pharaoh for bread. When all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. So it's important for us to wait to be there, to be there for them. Like the song says, you know, I want to be around to pick up the pieces, you know. So, But there's an art. There's an art of knowing how much gospel we need to give to the lost people that God brings into our lives and to know when we just lead, let to need, got to say it right, I can't say it. When we just need to let the cake bake in the oven. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and not open the door <laughs> to see if it's making there. So in the final analysis, this is about the personal decision of individuals. And each person alone determines for himself if he's going to heaven or hell. And we have to respect that. We have to respect each person to let them make their own decision. But we do labor and we make the message as personalized for each individual as we can. Like I told him yesterday, he was there to fix the DVR. I said, you know, there's DVR going right now. It's on record mode. It's in heaven. And it's recording our whole conversation there. Anyway, so we labor to try to persuade, but then we have to back off. And so, because in 2 Corinthians 5.11, 2 Corinthians 5.11 says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We know the terror of the Lord. 
We know it's terrifying. Thank God we don't know it personally by experience, but we know it's terrifying to be cast into hell by an angry God, to fall into the hands of an angry God and be cast into hell. That's terrifying. That knowledge drives us to do our best to persuade the lost to decide to take Jesus as their savior. Now, when we read at verse 55 that when the Egyptians were famished, they cried to Pharaoh. Doesn't that seem a little strange to you? I mean, uh, it sure seems strange to Pharaoh (laughs) because Pharaoh made it pretty clear in the verses above, verse 39 through 44, it was pretty clear what Pharaoh said when Pharaoh said this. Pharaoh said unto Joseph, for as much as God has showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only on the throne will be greater than thou. Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee above over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his head. And he made him to ride in the second chariot, which he had. And they cried before him, Bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I'm Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift his hand or his foot in all the land of Egypt. I mean, everyone in Egypt knew that Pharaoh had made Joseph to be over all the land of Egypt. Everyone in Egypt knew that Pharaoh had made him to rule over all the land of Egypt. Everyone in Egypt knew that Pharaoh had taken off his only ring of authority by which he signed royal decrees and laws, and the only ring of authority, and given it to Joseph. Everyone knew that. Everyone in Egypt knew that Pharaoh had put a person in front of Joseph's chariot that yelled out, bow the knee, when Joseph came. Everybody knew that in Egypt. Everybody knew that Pharaoh had just said, no one can lift his foot or lift his hand without Joseph's permission. Everyone knew that, that Pharaoh had done all that. So the question is, why do the people cry to Pharaoh for bread? Why do the people not cry to Joseph for bread? I mean, it's just all the more strange that people didn't go to Joseph because they knew that Joseph was in charge of all the food. And they knew that he made all the decisions for the food. So why do you think the Egyptians bypassed Joseph and went directly to Pharaoh? Why do you think? He was a Hebrew, Okay, he was a Hebrew. No, he ain't going to them people. (laughs) What else you think? Okay, right. First of all, because as you're getting there, the people really didn't believe Pharaoh when he told them that Joseph was the ruler over Egypt and no one could lift up their hand or their foot without Joseph's permission. Because deep down, the people, as, as Tom said, they despised them people, you know, the, the Hebrews. Because the Egyptians despised the Hebrews, and so therefore they despised, they despised Joseph. Because deep down also, they knew that Joseph was not from a respectable family in Egypt, not from a family of nobility, and they despised his family, 
And deep down, they knew that Joseph had been a slave and he was a prisoner, and they despised his status. They despised his people. They despised his family. They despised his status. And deep down, Joseph was really despised and rejected of the Egyptians. So the Egyptians just found it easier to go to Pharaoh and cry to him. And really, the Egyptians were saying, Pharaoh, if it's all the same to you, we would prefer to go directly to you and not to Joseph. I mean, that's kind of the message of them going to Pharaoh. But in verse 55, when it says, Pharaoh said unto the Egyptians, go unto Joseph, what he said to you, do. Really, Pharaoh, when Pharaoh said that in verse 55, go unto Pharaoh, Pharaoh was saying to all the Egyptians, there's one mediator between Pharaoh and an Egyptian, and that's the man Joseph. And when the Egyptians tried to go directly to Pharaoh, Pharaoh said to them in verse 55, go unto Joseph, and what he saith to you, do. Really, Pharaoh was saying to the people, Joseph is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto Pharaoh but by Joseph. That was the message. And the Egyptians, they didn't want to hear that. They didn't want to go through Joseph. The Egyptians much rather preferred to go directly to Pharaoh themselves, and so Pharaoh had to set them straight. Again, in verse 55, when he said, go unto Joseph, what he say to you, do. Pharaoh was answering the Egyptians who wanted to come directly to Pharaoh with this resounding, no, you must submit yourself to the lordship of Joseph and do what he says for you to do. I mean, isn't that a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ? I mean, many people, they just find it easier to go to God and they cry to God in prayer and they don't pray, Lord Jesus, I cry to you. Uh, Oh no, because they know that Jesus is a Jew and deep down, Jesus is despised for his people, for being a Jew. Like Pilate put it in John 18, 35, John 18, 35, when Pilate answered, Pilate answered, am I a Jew? They know that his family was poor. Joseph the carpenter was poor. And deep down, Jesus is despised because of his family, as it says in John 6.42. John 6.42, they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? And they know that Jesus was born in a barn, and that he was homeless. They knew that. I mean, he said in Matthew 8.20, Matthew 8.20, Jesus saith unto them, unto him, Jesus saith unto him, the foxes have holes, the birds of the airs have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. I mean, they knew that about him, and so they despised him for his status in society. And when the people try to go directly to God, and bypass Jesus, as the rabbis love to say, we go directly to God. As they prefer to go directly to God, God answers them with the resounding no and says the words of 1 Timothy 2.5, 1 Timothy 2.5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Do you believe God created the earth? Do you believe God created you in his image? Then come celebrate Museum Day at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California on Saturday, November 4th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Museum Day is a Christian family festival event with life-size dinosaurs, games, rides, contest prizes, fair food, vendor booths, petting zoos, live animal encounters, and super science experiments for kids, along with world-renowned speakers Tom Cantor, Eric Hoven, David Reeves, Russ Miller, Kevin Conover, Dr. John Baumgartner, and more. Free admission to the museum and all speaking engagements for you and your family and entire church family are free. The Creation and Earth History Museum is located off of Highway 67 and Woodside Avenue in Santee next to the Santee Drive-In. So bring your family and friends on Saturday, November 4th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. and strengthen your faith at Museum Day. For more information, call us at 619-599-1104 or creationsd.org, creationsd.org.